listening to audio from Redwood Baptist Church. If you need any more information about us, go to www.redwoodbaptist.org. We hope and pray the message that you're about to listen to will strengthen you, encourage you, and make you more like Jesus. Blessings. Enjoyed our series so far entitled Jesus. Now we're going to just take Mark step by step here and uh, not necessarily always go uh, verse by verse through uh, each one of the chapters, but uh, definitely we're going to look at Christ and his life uh, from Mark's perspective. And we're going to begin reading in verse number 14 of of Mark chapter number 1, verse number 14. Thank you for being here today, and I trust that uh, God will uh, minister to your heart today, and we will definitely give him the glory as he does that. Verse number 14, now after that, John was put in prison. Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. This morning's message is entitled, The Time is now the time is now let's ask one more time the lord to bless our service in this time of the service lord we come before you and we submit this text in this next 30 minutes or so uh, lord into your hands and uh, lord for you to do uh, as you so all you that you always do you sovereignly work and lord I, i i submit to that sovereignty Father, I also pray that you'd help me to preach, God, what you've placed upon my heart this week. And, Lord, you've, uh, Lord, you've just impressed upon uh, my heart through this text and through my study, uh, Lord, some, some things that I believe will be very beneficial for each of us that are here today. Lord, I pray that even now that I'd begin to be honest with my own heart and my own life. And, Lord, I pray the same for each listener here this morning. And may you get maximum glory for all that's said and done. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a perspective that has swept across uh, Western culture, and it is this, this perspective that there's no such thing as absolute truth. Uh, that belief is simply like a buffet. You can take what you want, and you also can leave what you want. For example, when I go to a buffet. I don't actually don't even know if they even have buffets here, but I recall going to buffets growing up. You know what I would always leave at the buffet? I hope I don't offend anybody this morning, but it would be green beans and peas. Now I happen to love green beans as an adult, but boy, I still do not like peas, okay? So I would leave it. But with the world, our culture today, when it comes with truth, it's take it or leave it. It seems that there is a higher quality of Western culture is this idea of tolerance. As long as I don't try to proselytize you and I don't try to convince you and you don't try to convince me, the idea of your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. You believe what you want to believe and I'll believe what I want to believe and perhaps there will be a nice, happy neutrality between all of us. Listen to me. That is just not true. That is not even a possibility. And Mark really confronts us here in this text with the fact that there is 
There's no happy neutrality when it comes to truth matters. Uh, the truth is real, and you must say yes or no. And that is not just for the people that are outside these walls that we're trying to minister the gospel to. I believe that is for us even this morning that are inside these walls. Let me start off this message with a very, with a very hard reality, with a very hard truth. And that is as a Christian. Listen to me. As a Christian, you are to be here, right here, right now, living as you actually believe that Jesus is King. And that you're no longer seeking your kingdom. That you are no longer um, about it being my will, but instead being His will. That you're no longer seeking my happiness. Uh, that it is no longer my money, my family, my car, my house. If Jesus is King, and I am not, then that becomes the bottom line. That Jesus is King. You cannot help but uh, feel the confrontation that comes at you at the very beginning of this book. We learn very quickly that uh, the one from Nazareth, this, the, the, this little young man that was born in Nazareth, is the very Messiah. He is the very Son of God. And there's no, there's no neutrality with that. There's no, well, okay, if you need religion to kind of be your, to be your crux, if you need it to help you to feel better, no, he either is or he isn't. Jesus is either God or he's not. Jesus is either king or he's not. This is an account of history that, that, that happened and it, and it puts in front of us this remarkable claims of Christ and the ultimate dividing line of all of humanity. You believe these things or you do not. You live these things or you do not. There is no neutrality. And so let's look at these verses once again in chapter 1, verse 14. Now after that John was put in prison, in other words, after John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Mark records that Jesus, he waited. He waited until the prophet John is arrested. Now you have to understand the, 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 the significance of this. So John had been the forerunner of Jesus Christ, if you recall. Remember, he had been preaching that there's going to be this one. Now, every Old Testament prophet has been preaching this for, for hundreds of years. Now, in Jesus' day, Jesus is walking on this earth. But Jesus, or John, has been, he's been the forerunner. He's preparing the way. There's going to become one. I baptize uh, with water, but he's going to baptize with the Spirit. He's this prophet. But now, John has been arrested. Now John is in prison. And Jesus now stands, walks onto the scene as the final prophet of God to declare the final message of God. And this is the kingdom or the gospel of the kingdom. And it's important where Jesus does this. According to our text in verse 14, Jesus does this from, from Galilee. Galilee would have been one of the most multicultural regions in all of Palestine. And so you can see Jesus is now uh, setting Himself up. You can see His ministry as it's beginning here as Isaiah said that He was going to be a light unto the Gentiles. Isaiah prophesied that in 
Isaiah 49. And so through Christ, uh, this amazing message of the kingdom is going to begin to spread to every corner of the earth. John's in prison. He had been speaking of this one. Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And now Jesus is standing. And He's saying, the kingdom of God, it's it's at hand here. Now let's look here again at verse number 14. Now after that, John was put in prison. Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. The time is fulfilled. You know what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying that everything that has happened in Old Testament history has been marching to this moment. If you and I read through the Old Testament at moments, it doesn't it seem like it's kind of just like chaotic? It just seems like something just exploded. You know, there's a story here and there's a story there. And it just seems sometimes at, at moments as you begin to read through it that it's just all chaos. And you wonder what is going on in the world as you read through Old Testament. You wonder if God's plan is going to be able to survive all of the nasty, evil politicians, all of the wars, all of the rebellions of His people. I mean, it just seems like they go into captivity and then they come out and they go in. And you're wondering, are they going to be able to survive the, uh, the power of these nations that are around them that wanted to destroy God's people? And what you realize is that God is sovereign. And what you realize is that His will is going to be done and God is guiding history to this very moment where Jesus was going to stand and where Jesus was going to say, the kingdom is at hand. It's been fulfilled. Everything that you've, everything that you've heard, everything that you've studied, every, every prophet, every judge, every priest, every king was a foreshadowing of the judge, of the prophet, of the priest, and of the king who would come, being Jesus. Every single human that had ever stood was all foreshadowing. It was all pointing to the one that we are going to study for months, the man named Jesus Christ. So what is the picture here? Well, I love what it says in Daniel chapter number 4 and verse number 35. And it says, He doeth according to His will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay His hand or say unto Him, What doest thou? Here I'm about to say, your God is sovereign. And He promised that that one would would come who would sit on the throne of David. There would be a moment when He would come, this Prince of Peace, this this everlasting Father that Isaiah spoke of, this King of Kings, this, this one that had been spoken of as the wonderful Counselor. He was going to come. And He was going to usher in His kingdom. Nothing. Nothing was going to stand in the way of that. Not the outrageous rebellion of His people. Not the murderous intent of surrounding nations. Not the corruption of kings. Nothing can stand in the way of what God chooses to do. God is going to bring His will to pass. Do you believe that? There's no neutrality. Do you believe it? Do you live, act, respond as if you actually believe that God is sovereign, complete control 
of the world in which you live? Do you believe in His timing? Or do you struggle with His timing? Do you wonder if He is on task? Do you wonder if He is hearing your prayers? Do you sit in your life wondering if He knows the right time to deliver that precious promise to you? And at just the right time in this unshakable, sovereign plan of God, Jesus came. And He began to this amazing announcement of His kingdom. Do you rest in that sovereignty? Do you walk in your everyday, moment-by-moment life realizing that He is in control? We rest with that. The time is at hand, He said. The kingdom is here. It's it's being, it's being fulfilled. Everything that has been laid out, that time is right now. And Mark goes on to say, we'll read the text again, and after that, John was put in prison. Jesus came into Galilee. He's preaching the Gospel of the Kingdom of God and saying, there's the message, the time is fulfilled and the Kingdom of God is at hand. Now you've got to put yourself in the position of those that would have been hearing this for the very first time you and i many of us we've grown up in church we're we're looking we're looking back on history but but put yourself there in galilee john has been preaching john is now in prison and now this man who again just put yourself there you and i we know him to be jesus of course we do we've read all of his miracles the crucifixion the resurrection hallelujah your changed life but put yourself in his shoe in, in their shoes this man now stands up and says The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. He begins to minister this liberating gospel. People who were familiar with all of the Old Testament prophecy and all of the ones who had heard that there was going to be this one that was going to come and he was going to sit on the throne of David. And you have to face how radical this statement is when Jesus says, I am king. Jesus is saying, the kingdom of God is here because I am here. Jesus is saying, I bring that kingdom with me. Now again, this is either horrific blasphemy or it's the hope of all humanity. It's one or the other. We can't be neutral. Either Jesus is a blasphemer, and many believed that He was. Many picked up stones to stone Him because of what He had said and His claims. But Jesus is saying, hey, it's fulfilled. All that stuff you've heard through all of those different men and women of the Old Testament, those prophets and prophetesses that I've used, all of them are being fulfilled right now in me. The kingdom is at hand. (gasps) Blasphemy. Now in the unfolding of God's kingdom, let me give you a little just very brief history lesson here. There's There's a lot of clear stages when you think of the kingdom of God. The first of all was the Old Testament preparation. You had all of the, uh, all of the years of where the prophets, they were pointing to this king who would come, who would establish this throne of David forever. You can begin reading that, and it's your whole Old Testament. They were all foretelling of this kingdom. And the second stage of this would have been the presence of that kingdom in Jesus Christ. Something unique and new is happening 
at the moment because, again, in, in, in the text, go to Galilee, go some 2,000 years ago, and you are hearing this man say, the kingdom, it's right here. He's, he's here. In fulfillment of those promises, his feet <clears throat> excuse me, are actually touching the earth as the prophets said they would. He's beginning to minister the liberating gospel of God. So that's kind of the, 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 the at the time of this writing, the, the, the present kingdom was found in Jesus Christ. Then the third stage is the stage that you and I would call us that we live in now, and it's the expansion of this kingdom. This expansion comes with Christ, here what I'm about to say, Christ's kingship and how he reigns in the hearts of those that have trusted him as their savior. So the reign of grace begins to liberate us from the narrow confines of our own little kingdoms, our own little wants, our own little desires, and begins to lift our heads up to the large kingdom of God. That's kind of the expansion. And it's going from, hopefully, from heart to heart, from life to life, as you share the gospel, and they trust Christ as their Savior. Boom! The king of the kingdom is now king in their heart expanding our prairies. That's what's going on right now. And then, of course, the fourth stage would be the culmination of that kingdom, and that's where Jesus is going to physically reign here. All of the disciples and all of those early Christians, they thought Jesus was coming to you know, help them from the, 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 the tyranny of Rome and all those different types of things, but Jesus was coming to, to take care of the greatest tyranny, sin. He was coming to conquer that foe that demon and he's going to return again and it's going to be the culmination jesus is going to walk on this earth we're going to rule and reign with him in the new heaven and the new earth so this is an important moment for those that are hearing jesus speak because this kingdom that had been spoken of for thousands of years is now near in the person and work of jesus christ and because of that this kingdom to them was available and then you're hit immediately with the call of this kingdom our text says, repent and believe the gospel. So here's what I'm about to say to you. Please hear me. You cannot embrace the kingship. And here's the, here's the meat of our message for the rest of today. That was kind of all, just to give you a little bit of background here. Okay, you cannot embrace the kingship of Christ without embracing how that kingship defines you. You cannot embrace the identity of Jesus Christ without humbly embracing how Christ identifies us. And this is why there's no such thing as faith without repentance. There's no such thing as faith without humbly confessing our deep need for Him. We must be careful to not define faith just as some kind of intellectual acknowledgement of doctrines although that's that's a part of it you and i we must come to the belief that jesus christ is the only way we must come to the belief that we are sinners and that we cannot save ourselves and that he came to rescue us but that in and of itself is not full biblical faith biblical faith not only embraces your willingness to say hey i need a savior but it also says i got to mourn what this king 
says about me. The reality that I need a Savior. Why do you need a king? Because you and I, none of ourselves, are incapable of self-rule. You and I are incapable of choosing the right path. Don't get mad at me. Just let me preach. We're incapable of it. And in of ourselves, we're incapable of doing what is right. We're incapable of constructing in our own power a life that would even remotely please God. I mean, before the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, (laughs) do, do, do you remember the Old Testament? Do you remember Genesis 5 and 6 before the flood? The Bible says that they, in their hearts, thought only evil continually. That's what you and I are incapable of outside of Christ. We've got to acknowledge that. Because of our sin, we actually want the position of king. We want to rule. Why would a husband or wife ever be impatient with their spouse? Because they want the rule. Because they're uptight whenever they stand in way of something that they want. Now let's just be super, super honest for the next moment. We doing okay? We're alright? Let's just be let's just be super honest right now. Most of the anger that we experience has nothing to do with the kingdom of God at all. Most of the anger that is in our lives has to do with our kingdom. It has to do with our traffic. It has to do with the lines being long. It has to do with sometimes the fact that the power goes out. And we'll get on social media and we will blast how angry we are. And it has to do with us. And I am being... Um, uh, you know, I, I'm being in a hardship that is brought upon me. How could anybody disagree with my opinions? I do not want you to get in the way of my schedule. I do not want to be told what to do. I want to set my own morality. I want to believe whatever I think is fun to believe. I want to do whatever pleases me. Can I just put all that into the say? I want to be king. And I don't mind admitting to you before that, before you, that I struggle with that. That I want to rule. I want to reign. I want my life to be all about me. And so what the kingship of Christ actually does is it rescues me from me. The king comes to destroy our kingdom because as long as we live allegiant to our kingdom, we cannot live under his authority and reign in our life. I'd like to be able to say to you this morning that I was not angry this past week in any way. I'd like to be able to say that I was patient when people disagreed with me. I'd like to say that I was not in any, there wasn't any moment in my life where I wasn't full of myself this week. I'd love to be able to say that there was no way that I esteemed my pleasure more than God's purposes. But to every one of those, I cannot. But as we learned last week in every place of temptation, we sang it today, Jesus is enough. He has so beautifully gone through life in this fallen world so we might live victorious. Sarah's teaching the little kids right now, but it's embarrassing how many times over the years I've had to say, sorry, Sarah, I am sorry. Will you? Forgive me. And so you see, that is why the gospel is good news of the kingdom. Because it actually causes us to realize 
we need to repent. We need to, we need to change. And I want you to think about what repentance is. I think sometimes we get off on this. Follow this. Repentance is a definite change in my heart that leads to a definite change in the direction of my life. Are we still okay this morning? Hey, I've only been going for 23 minutes. All right, I'm, I'm watching the clock. Mike says I go for 45, so I got plenty more, okay? Repentance is a definite change in my heart, also your mind, okay, that leads to a definite change in the direction of my life. So in other words, to to apply it, I'm going to reject the thought that I am righteous in and of myself. I'm going to reject the thought that I am in control. I'm going to reject all the falsehoods that would keep me from embracing Jesus Christ. I'm going to reject the selfishness and the evil desires that I have. I'm going to reject the desire for self-sovereignty and submit myself to the pleasures of the One who is my King. So it's a change in my heart and it's going to change in the direction of my life. And so I want you to follow this train of thought up on the screen. If the quality and content of your thoughts change and the quality and content of your desires change as an intentional act of faith, there's the faith part, then the direction of your life will change. Repent ye and believe. Faith and repentance. And so the way we can apply that, at least some of the illustrations I've given this morning, is that when I don't rest in my own righteousness, when I don't think I have everything together, I am not going to get angry with you when you come to me and you find fault in my life. (gasps) Who are you to tell me? Sometimes how we live. Sometimes people in our church won't even sometimes let their pastor come to them and say, "Hey, hey, I see an error in your life and they blow up and get mad. And Brother Dalton, it's not always my fault. They never, we never see him again. But when you and I realize, no, 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 this kingdom of God, it brings us to a place of humility. It brings us to a place of, of repentance. Of No, this isn't. I, I'm not righteous apart from Christ. And so you come to me and you see something in my life. I'm not going to get angry with you. So as a husband or wife, What you want to do is to please the King. That's what orients you. That's what what motivates you with your friendships. You want that friendship to honor the King with your thought life, with your finances, with your leisure time, your work, and school, whatever. Your faith. Your faith as it claims thought and desire will always result in a transformed life. See what I say? Your faith, as it claims thought and desire, will always result in a transformed life. And God operates in grace to give us those new desires. To give us those new thoughts. He operates in grace to empower us to do what we could never be able to do. And that is why the kingdom and its announcement have to be followed by repentance and faith. You and I this morning cannot have faith 
without repentance. And you cannot have repentance without faith. So as I close, can I ask you the question? Where are you? Where are you at? I want to plead with you as your pastor that, to be honest in these next few moments. I want you this morning to say, Pastor, wow, Super Bowl Sunday. I want you to own the fact that there may be remnants still within you of a desire for self-sovereignty. There's remnants of a desire for self-sufficiency. Church family, there is a desire for autonomy. And as you own that, as you begin to realize that repentance and faith, they're not a a one-time act, but lifestyles that I believe again and again and again, and then I repent, thanking God for His grace of forgiveness and the empowerment to move beyond those things. And so what does it mean? How do, we, how do we boil it all down this morning for Redwood? What can, we, what can we take away from this morning's message with? It's that none of us have arrived. None of us. It means that none of us look down on people who are not as far along as we are because we realize that we're still in a process. What this does is it, it creates a community here, a community of compassion It creates a community of acceptance. Not self-righteousness. Not condemnation. Listen, some people, they hear a message like this and it goes against their pride and they hate it. And they don't want it. And just be honest, I've described us this morning. And that's why we need Christ. He rescues us from that. He rescues us from the penalty of that. And so we can run to Him with humility and with repentance. And when a brother or sister in our church has a problem or they're struggling, we don't look down upon them. We don't with some era of superiority. Instead, we come with a community of grace. Hey, I... I might not struggle with exactly that. Here's what I struggle with. You want to know what James said when he confessing our sins one to another, our faults one to another? That's not a confessional booth. That you and I be willing to be so open and honest with another brother or sister in Christ. I'm like, you know what, hey, I struggle with that as well. Or here's something also I struggle with. Let's do this Christian life together as a community and let's pray for one another. Let's battle for one another kingdom of God. It's near. What is the gospel of the kingdom? What is the great, beautiful promise of the new covenant? It's a new heart. And so you do not give up when your marriage is not what God wants it to to be. Here's the good news. The king has come. And in his glory, his transforming grace, it means that change is possible. We're not stuck. We're not condemned to our rebellion. We're not condemned to our foolishness and our selfishness and our arrogance. Why? Because our King brings good news with Him. New heart. New life. New change. You're not stuck. You're not stuck in your marriage when it's not what God wants it to be. You do not start thinking about your exit plan. Instead, you embrace the King. 
and you believe that change is possible. You don't ever, ever, ever give up on your children. And by the time they're teenagers, you still believe that godliness can live in their lives because you believe in the transforming power of the King. You do not give up in the face of addiction. You do not give up in the face of sexual sin. You do not give up in the face of a lifelong anger. You do not give up because the King has come and the good news is that He has brought radical hope of change with Him. And this King would never call you to repent if the turning that comes with repentance was impossible. But Jesus comes and says, the time is fulfilled. Radical for those that would have heard that. The kingdom of God has come. The kingship of Jesus has come. Does he reign? Oh, he's reigning. But does he reign in your heart? Does he reign in your life? Does he reign in your marriage? Does he reign in the way that you interact with your coworkers and people in your classroom at school? Does he have reign in your life? I believe it's time for us to repent and believe. No, not again for salvation. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, that's where it starts. Repent of your sin. Have a turning of your heart and your mind and believe in Jesus Christ. A Christian, it doesn't change. It'll always be Jesus. He's always enough. Submit before Him. I know this wasn't popular, but it's the reality. And you and I, we find grace for help in time of need when we cling to Jesus. There is absolute truth. You've got to choose. Is He king? Or is He not? Every head bowed or eye closed. Father, I thank You, Lord.